Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you for giving us life. As we study your word now, please help us to have a deep understanding of the things you have revealed. Grant us of your spirit and put your words in my mouth and I may speak that I may speak blessings to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. January 14. Isaac, a figure of Christ. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 and 18. The offering of Isaac was designed by God to prefigure the sacrifice of his son. Isaac was a figure of the Son of God, who was offered a sacrifice for the sins of the world. God desired to impress upon Abraham the gospel of salvation of men. He was made to understand in his own experience how great was the self-denial of the infinite God in giving his son to rescue man from ruin. To Abraham, no mental torture could be equal to that which he endured in obeying the command to sacrifice his son. With a breaking heart and unnerved hand, he takes the fire while Isaac inquires, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Genesis 22 verse 7 But oh, Abraham cannot tell him now. Father and son build the altar, and the terrible moment comes for Abraham to make known to Isaac that which has agonized his soul during all that long journey, that Isaac himself is the victim. The son submits to the sacrifice because he believes in the integrity of his father. But when everything is, but when everything is ready, when the faith of the father and the submission of the son are fully tested, the angel of God stays the uplifted hand of Abraham and tells him that it is enough. Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Verse 12 Our heavenly father surrendered his beloved son to the agonies of the crucifixion. Legions of angels witnessed the humiliation and soul anguish of the Son of God, but were not permitted to interpose as in the case of Isaac. No voice was heard to stay the sacrifice. God's dear Son, the world's Redeemer, was insulted, mocked at, derided and tortured until he bowed his head in death. What greater proof can the Infinite One give us? of his divine love and pity. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans chapter 8 verse 32. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Isaac a figure of Christ. 
Jesus said in the book of John 5 verse 39 and 40, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. So, in the search of the scriptures, what are we to see? Jesus said that what we will see is that the scriptures testify of him. A lot of things in the Old Testament prefigures Jesus and we are going to look at one of that today and that is Isaac. God called Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the story that we are very familiar with. In the book of Genesis 22, reading from verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. We know how it was that Abraham did exactly what God said he should do, and took Isaac with him, and went to the mountain Moriah. And when they got to the mountain, in verse 7, he says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. And they came to the place where God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Amen. So there we have it. That's the story of when God tested Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And Isaac cooperated for him to be used as a sacrifice. This act prefigured what God himself was going to do for Abraham and for the whole world. Isaac stood in the place of Christ or we say prefigured Christ. This is exactly what Jesus was referring to when he said in John 8 verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. What was it that Abraham saw? That ram in a thicket was to Abraham the token that he or his son would not have to die for their sins. But he knew that that ram was not necessarily what mattered. But he understood that that ram represented the Son of God. Just as he was about to use his son as a sacrifice, God was going to provide for himself a lamb, which is his own son that would take the place of man and would die for the sins of men. But let us look at Abraham for a while. 
we read in our key text in Hebrews 11 verse 17 and 18 something important. We want to understand how is it that Abraham was able to do this, to take his only son and was willing to give him up as a sacrifice. Our key text says in Hebrews 11 verse 17 and 18, by faith. That's how. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises, so take note, he received the promise. He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. There is a need for faith. Faith in the promises of God. Abraham had faith. He had received a promise and he believed that promise and it did not stop him from doing what God asked him to do. God had before promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations and he had faith in God that in obedience God will still be able to fulfill his word. Hebrews 11:17, like we read and verse 18 that it was by faith that he did it. But verse 19 tells us what the thought process of Abraham was because we want to learn how was he able to do it. It says, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Amen. So Abraham had a promise that it was in Isaac that he would be a father of many nations. He had Ishmael as his son at this time. But God had told him it was Isaac, true Isaac, that he was going to be a father of many nations. And that was what Isaac was a figure of. But here was it that God was requesting that he uses the same Isaac as a sacrifice. How, he would have asked, will that promise be fulfilled if I use Isaac as a sacrifice? How? To the human mind, it is impossible. But even if Abraham had sacrificed Isaac, what did Abraham think? He wasn't expecting to be stopped. He said in verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So even if Isaac had died, Abraham had no problem. He knows God can raise him up. So he knew God's promise will not fail, even though he did what God asked him to do. And Abraham was willing to give all because he knew that God had given him a promise and that promise will certainly be fulfilled in his obedience. And this is how we can also give all to God. Abraham, one would say that Isaac was all to him. And it was his best gift, I would say, that he was given to God in Isaac. That was what Abraham was given. And God was testing him to see whether he was worthy of the sacrifice. In Genesis 22, we see now that God rewarded Abraham's obedience. Reading from verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his, of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. So what has God promised us? Because Abraham was leaning on the promises of God. And based on that promise, he was able to obey. 
Today, God has also promised us many good things so that it can be an incentive for us to obey. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life amen god was requesting abraham's best gift abraham was able to give it because he believed that the god who was requesting for this could give it back to him today god requests from us a sacrifice and i like i would say there really is nothing called sacrifice when we are giving to God because God will always give us back a hundredfold. So we are making a bargain. This is not a speculative market here, but this is a real stuff here that when you give, you get it back a hundredfold. How would we call that a sacrifice, please? Is it a sacrifice when I give you hundred of, of or something I have and then you give me times hundred of that which I gave you? Do you call that a sacrifice? Let us be honest. It is not a sacrifice. At the moment when you are giving to you, it looks like you are losing something. But when you get back what you gave, would you still call it a sacrifice? No, you will not. And we can do the same thing. God gave his best gift in Jesus Christ. Abraham was given his own best gift. But there was a promise attached to it. There was a blessing attached to it. He knew that God had promised him something and he knew that he could get his blessing back. He knew that he could get it a hundredfold. And Jesus himself is telling us that if you give all to him, you will get it back a hundredfold. But that is from the perspective of Abraham. How about from the perspective of God? Reading from that I may know him, page 20, paragraph 4, we are told, Our Heavenly Father surrendered his beloved Son to the agonies of the crucifixion. Legions of angels witnessed the humiliation and soul anguish of the Son of God, but were not permitted to interpose, as in the case of Isaac. No voice was heard to stay the sacrifice. God's dear Son, the world's Redeemer, was insulted, mocked at, derided, and tortured until he bowed his head in death. What greater proof can the Infinite One give us of His divine love and pity? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not also with Him freely give us all things?" End of quote. So how can we do what God did? God, God gave His own Son when there was nothing in it for Him. It was a selfless sacrifice, a sacrifice indeed because all that men may give to God is really not worthy of the name sacrifice. It is merely a good bargain, a very cheap exchange since whatever we give to God, God will repay to us a hundredfold by giving to us something far better than whatever we gave. But God gave to us something that touched him permanently. We did not promise him anything to motivate him to give us. And we can never even promise him anything. The whole world belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle of the thousand hills are his. So why did God give? What was the incentive in it for him? Why did he give his son to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins? John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son 
that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ is that we see him given solely for the reason of love. No other reason. Nothing in it for him. If we must have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus, we must see that we are ready to give all even if there is no reward for us. If we truly want to have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we will realize that God the Father and the Son gave, but in their giving they were not expecting anything in return, any selfish benefit for themselves. Their giving was totally selfless, nothing in it for them except them seeing the travail of their soul. And what is the travail of their soul? To see multitudes delivered from the chains of sin, the bondage of the devil, and to be delivered from darkness. To see the multitudes of the redeemed saved forever out of the grasp of Satan. We are to come up higher in the way we reason. God may have promised us many things if we make sacrifices for him. But even if there were no promises given to us, we are to realize that we are to love him because of what he has done for us. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Then again, we realize that God did not allow Abraham to use the life of his son as a sacrifice. This also is a part of the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and of the Father. To meditate on this lesson that the Father will not allow you and me to pay for our sins, neither will he permit us to use our children or any human life for the sins that we committed, should give us a sense of the love of God for us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then going to verse 20 and 21, it says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he had seen, how can he love God whom he had not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God, loveth his brother also. We can do what Abraham did by believing and having faith in the promises of God, so that whenever God requests anything from us, we should be ready to give, because we know that God will always repay. But deeper than that, to have the real excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, even if nothing was promised to us, we should be ready to give just merely out of love. Love for him that has already given his own life and the father who gave his son for our sake. It is enough that God has done this, even though he doesn't promise anything to us. But of course, he already did promise. But we should come to a stage where we know God and we become like him. That we are not thinking of the gifts, thinking of the promises, thinking of the blessings. We just give ourselves to him, not necessarily dwelling so much on the returns. That God is going to do this or do that for us a hundredfold. But just dwelling on the love of God and we just want to love him back. And like I just read in 1 John 4 verse 20 and 21. To love God back is to love our brethren. The way to show love for God is by loving our brother and giving our lives for one another. In the time you know him, page 20, paragraph 2, 
it says concerning Abraham, he was made to understand in his own experience how great was the self-denial of the infinite God in giving his son to rescue man from ruin. End of quote. Through the giving, we underst- Abraham understood. We will not understand the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ unless we start to give. When Abraham had already sacrificed his son in his head, the only thing is that God stopped him from doing it in reality. Because God said, now I know, you don't need to kill him. And now I know, you've raised your hand, you're about to slay your son. And God said, it's enough. Now I know that you will not withhold your son, even your only son from me. Abraham, through this experience, understood God's self-denial and he became more like God. Brothers and sisters, you don't know God just by hearing this sermon that I'm preaching. No matter what I am saying myself, I have not known God right now. Unless I pass through the same experience, then I'll be made to understand through my own experience of giving of my best gifts to the Lord. Then I will understand something of God and His self-denial. It is not just by mere theory. Reading the time in him, page 20, paragraph 3 says to Abraham, no mental torture could be equal to that which he endured in obeying the command to sacrifice his son, end of quote. And we may also pass through mental torture when the Lord is requesting from us to end bad relationships. God may be calling you to sacrifice a relationship that he has shown you is not in harmony with his will. It may be giving you a mental torture, but until you make that sacrifice, you will not experience the self-denial of God and be transformed into his image. He may be calling you to sacrifice your dreams and ambitions. He may be calling you to give up your plans and fall in line with his own plan. And it may be a mental torture for you to do that. Whatever that plan is, I don't know. He may be calling you to allow your child to practice the truth as it is in Jesus. You have had dreams that your son or your daughter will be this or that, one great person of the world. But now you are hearing God telling you, leave your child to practice the truth. And when they practice the truth, just like Moses, they may lose their throne and become mere pilgrims with children of Israel who were slaves. It may take you down, but God may be calling you to do that. He may be calling you to give up bad habits and it may be a mental torture for you to change your dress, to change your diet, to change your practices in general. And to you, it looks like a mental torture. But unless you give up these things and sacrifice them, it's not a sacrifice, but let's keep using the word because based on our minds and carnality, We see it as giving up something dear to us. So based on the fact that it's dear to us, let's call it a sacrifice. But when we look at it from what we get for giving, giving distance up is really not a sacrifice. Yes, so God may be calling us to sacrifice bad habits, dreams, ambitions, relationships with our friends and loved ones or even with somebody who you may have planned to marry that God is showing you you are not supposed to do this. Unless you do it, unless you make that sacrifice, you lose the opportunity 
to have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because Paul said, in order for him to have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, he had to count all things but loss for Christ's sake. That does not mean that he just started giving up everything. In other words, he was able to give up everything he was required to give up in order to know God. If God is requiring you to give up any of these things I mentioned or anything the Holy Spirit's impressing on your heart, you must be ready to count it but dung. You must be ready to count everything but loss. If you don't do that, you cannot have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You cannot know him. You cannot experience the power of his resurrection. You cannot. You will die and remain dead forever. You will not experience the power of his resurrection unless you are ready to give. Jesus gave himself up to be used as a sacrifice for the sins of men. We are to give ourselves up as living sacrifices totally and completely submitted to the father's will that's another lesson that we learn from the father and from the son in romans 12 verse 1 and 2 we are told i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service how do we present our bodies? Because Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son's body. We should be ready to sacrifice our bodies. How? Verse 2 says, Be not conformed. That's how to sacrifice to God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is how we make a sacrifice to God today by not being conformed giving up worldly practices giving up sinful pleasures giving up everything that is against the will of god and conforming our lives to his will just like isaac conformed himself to his father's will that is how we are living sacrifices another lesson we learn from this prefigurement of isaac prefiguring jesus of isaac prefiguring jesus is from here, we see that the relationship between Isaac and his father Abraham is just the same thing as Jesus with his father in heaven. We are also children of the Heavenly Father and the kind of submissive relationship that Jesus had with the father and Isaac with his own father should be our own relationship with our Heavenly Father. We should be ready either to give our best gifts like the father because the father was making a sacrifice abraham he was making a sacrifice of his own son which is his best gift we should be ready to do that or be ready like the son isaac or jesus to die and give our lives as the son did for the sins of men we read from the book ministry of healing page 502 paragraph 2 to 5 it says in the life of christ everything was made subordinate to his work the great work of redemption which he came to accomplish and the same devotion the same self-denial and sacrifice the same subjection to the claims of the word of god is to be manifest in his disciples do you see that christ is being used to us as an example the same submission he had towards his father to the point that he allowed his father to use him as a sacrifice we his disciples are to manifest it continuing the reading it says everyone who accepts christ as his personal savior will long for the privilege of serving god contemplating what heaven has done for him his heart is moved with boundless love and adoring gratitude so let me stop now do you see what we're learning from god it's not about the promises 
I will have faith in the promises. God is going to bless me. That's why I can make the sacrifice. No. It is by beholding the love of God. Then we also are filled with boundless love. And we are so grateful that we are ready to give all. Continuing the reading, it says, He is eager to signalize his gratitude by devoting his abilities to God's service. This is a sacrifice. He longs to show his love for Christ and for his purchased possession. He covets toil, hardship, sacrifice. The true worker for God will do his best because in so doing, he can glorify his master. He will do right in order to regard the requirements of God. He will endeavor to improve all his faculties. He will perform every duty as unto God. His one desire will be that Christ may receive homage and perfect service so this is what i've been saying i've not finished the reading but this is what i've been saying that if we really love god we are just grateful for what he has done we don't need those promises out of that gratitude we will love the men the souls for whom christ died and we'll be ready to commit and give all our possessions our talents our skills for christ's sake and we'll endure hardship and toil for him just to show him that we love him and to bring glory to his name. We will obey and perform every duty because we are showing gratitude towards him. So like I was saying, whatever thing it is that God is requiring, whether you are in the place of Abraham to give all your gifts, you'll be ready to do that. Or you are in the place of Isaac, like Jesus, to give your life, you will be ready. So concluding the reading, it says, there is a picture representing a bullock standing between a plow and an altar with the inscription ready for either ready to toil in the furrow or to be offered on the altar of sacrifice this is the position of the true child of god willing to go where duty calls to deny self to sacrifice for the redeemer's cause end of quote amen paul said philippians 3 verse 7 and 8 but what things were gain to me those I counted loss for Christ's sake, yet doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That is the spirit that we are to have. We are to count all things but dung for Christ's sake. Abraham did that. He proved himself worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus. We also need to prove ourselves worthy of Jesus' sacrifice by being like that bullock, ready for the altar or ready to work for him. If it's to give our lives, we are ready. If it's to die for his sake while obeying him, if obedience will bring us to the, to the altar to die, we are ready. Paul was like that, ready for all of them. He proved himself worthy of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Abraham also did the same thing. We also need to prove ourselves worthy of Jesus' sacrifice. That is why Jesus says that when we are not ready to make sacrifices for him, we are not worthy of him. In the book of Mark chapter 8 verse 38, it says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And in the book of Matthew 10 verse 37 to 33, he repeats the same thing. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. 
whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. In conclusion, I read 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11 to 13. It is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abided faithful, he cannot deny himself. Amen. Let us be ready to prove ourselves worthy. Abraham proved himself worthy because he did not withhold his only son. And the Father has given us his only son. Nothing in it for him, selflessly. Let us give selflessly like our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for these words. The theory of it, it doesn't show that we know you. I pray, Lord, that these words spoken and listened to shall quicken our spirits, our spirits and our souls that we may give of our best gifts to you whether to sacrifice ourselves on the altar or to walk for you in obedience and submission at all times. Help us, Lord, like Abraham, to have an experience in giving to you our best gifts and consecrating our lives to you, that we may know you and have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org.